Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Nicole Taliaferro. Nicole, who uses she, her pronouns, is a queer personal stylist and digital content creator born and based in Austin, Texas. Through her curated shopping list service, upcoming e-commerce, feel good, dress better, and Instagram, Nick helps people align their closet with their lifestyle and identity. When she's not curating shopping lists or writing Instagram captions, Nick can be found rewatching RuPaul's Drag Race with her spouse, sourcing vintage treasures across Texas, or asking someone to please bring her dessert. What a mood, honestly. <laughs> uh, hello, friend. Uh, Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you. <laughs> me too. I'm legitimately like, I want to just have like a dance break. I'm so excited to finally sit down. We have been trying <laughs> to record for so long and it's happening. And now my excitement just can't deal with it. So here we are. Yeah. I'm trying to think how we first met, which I feel like, I feel like I've known you for years though. I'm like, yeah, it had to be through either Sam or Shelby. Yeah. I, I truly, I don't remember the first time we met. It was maybe, it was probably at a panel that one of us was speaking on. True. True. Um, but beyond that, I don't like, I knew you on Instagram for a right. long time but I'm before first met. Cause I'm like the first time we met wasn't at that brunch we did with like Nikita and Shelby. No, 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 no. I was like, that's, but no. that's when my brain stops. I'm like, no, I know like our first like fun, fun friend day. <laughs> oh my God. No, we met at karaoke. <gasps> we did meet at karaoke. We met at karaoke, which is so funny because I thought I knew you from the internet. And then in karaoke world, I was like, oh, she's the one who sings Celine Dion and brings the house down. And then I finally put together that you were the same person because <laughs> I think that I'd seen Nikita on someone's Instagram. And then I was like, oh, these two people go to get anyway. That yes. I met you at karaoke. <laughs> what a time. Uh what a time. Remember the days of karaoke? Just yeah. Well, and that, a... Go that ahead. dinner, that dinner with you um was actually our last outing pre-COVID. And we were supposed to go to karaoke with you that night. And I bailed and Udi has not let me live it down one single day of the pandemic. <laughs> It's been a full year. Still it's like, been a full year. Remember that time? <laughs> oh, that's... yes. <laughs> it comes up at least once a week that I bailed 
at the last time that we got to do karaoke in 2020 and didn't do it. Well, <laughs> I was we're, sleepy. We're going to get there. We're, we're slowly stepping back in. You know, I feel <sighs> yes. like it's, it's on the precipice. We are right here. That's so funny. Now that you say karaoke, I'm like, yes, I remember it vividly because I can see Udi's outfit <laughs> that night that we met. So, well, because I remember that we were, we saw you there several times before we like initiated a friendship. Mm-hmm. And we were like, all right, there are, there's this other group of queers that we always see at karaoke. How do we become friends with them? And then, slowly it just kind of happened and then I remember that we hung out with y'all when Udi's mom and aunt were in town Mm -hmm. and they were there and they were wearing matching outfits and they got up and they did all the country standards and I was like this was a perfect first time to meet (laughs) it was meant to be honestly honestly um so yes very excited uh mostly I'm excited today to chat about Enneagrams yes I think so you are a person really into Enneagrams. My friend Shelby, our friend Shelby is as well. And then my friend Kaya, who has a podcast called Warmly, which originally started because she was unpacking Enneagrams with people. And yes, so, which I have also listened to. Also, I... <laughs> Kaya has the most soothing voice. I'm like, oh. anyway, I can gush about Kaya for hours. <laughs> when you bought up Enneagrams for as our discussion topic, I was like, yes, finally, someone's going to sit and chat with me. I took the test way back in the day. I just retook it today. I feel like my life was a lie. So you and I were texting before this and I'm like, we have lots to talk about. Today. We do have lots so. to talk about. Yeah. I'm really excited. It's funny. You have a question in the script. That's like, what do you, what's something that you want people to know about you that you don't often get to share? Mm-hmm. And that is Enneagram is like, <laughs> I do all these other things that don't involve Enneagram, whereas like I use it as a lens to view a lot of different things, Mm. but I don't get to talk about it often because it doesn't, it's just like not part of my content or like part of the groups that I'm in. Um, But it's really important to me. And if you're like in my inner circle, then I reference it a lot or I like throw out numbers, but I don't ever get to like really talk about why it's important to me and how it changed my life. And so um, I'm just really excited to be here. And today's the day. <laughs> today's the day. You gave me my Enneagram platform. <laughs> Take it and run. Yes. Yes. So for those who don't know, what is the Enneagram? Let's start with that. So the Enneagram is a personality typing system. Um, if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, that's the um, MBTI M- Yes, MBTI um, or other personality systems uh, like, you know, Strengths Finder, things like that, where you kind of assign things to people based on various personality traits, tendencies, etc. cetera. Um, the Enneagram is made up of nine numbers um, and there are groupings and there are wings and there are subtypes and there are integration and disintegration points. And there's a lot of messiness Um But the kind of the way that I sum up Enneagram and the reason that I like it um, is because rather than it being based on your tendencies or personality quirks about you, um, it is really uh, founded in your motivations, um, which are your fears, um, oftentimes, um, the things that we are motivated by as people. And those are things that are learned um, usually through childhood or through trauma. Um, And so a lot of people think, and we'll we'll get to this as we talk about your changing number as you take different tests. Um, 
a lot of people think like, oh yeah, like my number changed or like, oh, I'm feeling more of a four today. Um, but your Enneagram type really only changes when you experience trauma and the, what you tell yourself as being true about how you move through the world is changed. You have learned something new about how to survive and about how to stay safe. Um, and everything that we do as far as Enneagram is concerned is uh, built in our survival and what we have learned about the best way to survive. And so it's that like animal instinct in us. And that's why I'm really interested in it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I, retook, <laughs> I retook the test today before mm-hmm. we record it because so Shelby's an eight. I'm an eight. Our friend Alicia's an eight. Her uh, her friend Ray, who I've met through her, also an eight. So we have a lot of eights in our friend group. But it's been interesting because like I'm really into astrology. Like that's my jam. Yeah. Like, my sun, my moon, my rising, my like all the things. Like Ch- Channy Nicholas and I hang out in my head all the time. So oh yeah, same. <laughs> her app. By, by the way, her app just freaking great. Um, I'm Golden. also like, into like moon. There's this one woman I love named Jen who's like really into like moon stuff. Anyway, um, so like having all these friends who are eights. And it's interesting because like we are very different people, right? Like, so I'm a Pisces, but I'm an eight. Alicia's a Taurus, she's an eight. And Shelby's a Gemini and she's an eight. And so I'm always just like so fascinated of like even that too of like how we are all eights and our eights kind of show up differently. Mm -hmm. Then also lately the last like, so the people on the show know that like I took 2020 to not date and like really refocus on like who I am and what I want. And so I think that, you saying like your number changes Shelby's been saying like I've been like a really healthy two which apparently is like a wing of an eight which you said we'll we'll talk about but that's what's been (laughs) on my mind because I took it and it was like a tie essentially between like two and three and I was like I feel like I've been living a lie (laughs) so (laughs) here I am yeah it it can get so because we have um wings which are the number on either side of your number um which i think of those more like your tendencies as that's where you're going to see these are some of my tendencies and another place where you'll see um tendencies that kind of have to do with what season you are in life um is your integration and disintegration point and so more numbers each number has a number that it goes to in health and a number that it goes to in crisis Mm. and so when, for instance, if, if you are an eight, um, then in health, you do in fact go to two, um, which means that you would have a lot of those, um, traits associated with two, um, come up in your life or just kind of how you're moving through the world, um, interacting with other people. Cause like I said, it's, it, this is your like survival story. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of it is how we interact with other people. Um, and then eights disintegrate to five, um, which I'll, I can talk a little bit about what all the different numbers are, uh, for our folks at home. Um, but without diving too much into it, um, as an eight, when you are diving into the two, um, you are going to be showing up in a lot more ways where you're doing things for other people. Um, they, they're, you know, uh, categorized as the helper. Um, and so, um, showing up in ways that you are 
helping others, maybe sacrificing some of your own um, needs or your own wants in order to um, just really put in the good fight for others in some kind of way. Um, whereas fives, uh, they are very, very isolated. Um, they are very independent. They are very introverted. Um, they like to learn a lot and they kind of, um, go away. They hibernate for a while. They learn a bunch of things and then they come back and they're just like, Hey guys, what I miss. And like, that is also explicitly my relationship with fives. Um, it, and it took me a while to realize. And so this is part of where my love of Enneagram comes from is it helps me love my people better. And so in understanding that my friends who are fives are just going to disappear for seasons and then pop back up and be like, Hey, let's go get cocktails. And I'm like, where have you been for six months? Um, and then like when they do post on the internet, it's like deep dives and, uh, you know, just like they, they love a Wikipedia rabbit hole. They love to learn everything they can about a topic. Um, and knowing that my fives were not leaving me, it didn't have anything to do with me. It's just what they're motivated by. They need to uh, go and get more information. And I'll talk about the motivations behind those different numbers in a little bit. But um, anyway, yeah. And so I, I don't know if that resonates with you that um, when you're in an unhealthy place, you're like <laughs> keeping it together. When you're in an unhealthy place that you really turn inward and you're like, all right, I'm not going to be social right now. Like I need to spend time on me. Um, and when you're feeling really healthy, you're like, oh, I'm so healthy. I can save the world. Wow. Hmm. Does that sound like Brianna Jenkins, maybe? Wow. I feel attacked <laughs> deeply. Um, so I'm very much, I'm such a five when I'm not doing well. Like, yeah. So like May is like, for some reason, your body remembers trauma and May is always like the month yeah. that I just like shut down. And so like in May, I like don't do anything. I don't talk to anyone. I become very isolated. Um I was at a, I was working at another job two years ago and I just worked from home for a whole month. Like I didn't even go into the office once in May. Um, so when I am not doing well, I am very big on isolating and you know me, I am very social and very outgoing. So for me to take a full month off of like not talking to anyone, not seeing anyone, I'm just like in a rabbit hole, if you will. And I have to like work it out by myself. So that's when you're like talking about the five, like, oh my God, I'm such a, I'm such a five when I'm not doing well. So <laughs> God, and it it really, it does it, the way that it resonates just for me and for a lot of people is different than for instance, like a Myers-Briggs, like that's telling you something about how you, how you are rather than like Mm. who you are. Mm. So let's talk about why, um, the personality test that you, or why the Enneagram test that you took today showed up with twos and threes and why that makes you feel a way. So I'm going to be blasphemous in Enneagram land and say that I don't buy into the tests. I think that we as people, uh, I mean, it's, it's so hard for us to, we are both too critical and not great at being self-critical. We lack awareness, um, until things suddenly kick us in the face, um, or we're too self-aware, but then still missing other blocks. I just, I think that personality tests are really hard. I'm a very self-aware person and it's hard for me to answer, um, 
any kind of personality test and be like, okay, well, are you asking me today? Are you asking me generally? Are you asking me in this season of life? Are you asking me when I was a child? And there's just like so many different ways for me to answer things. And so one, as a whole, I think that tests are unhelpful. Two, I think that tests are asking you questions again about your tendencies. And so like, I totally understand why you would get a high three score, which I am a three, um, because you, um, you know, the test is probably asking you questions about, um, you know, like, do you like to lead? Do you like to be the best at things? Do you like to achieve things? Like, are you ambitious? Like, those are traits that are associated with a three, but it's not the why. And that's what's different. And that's when you describe you having friendships with other eights um, and saying that you're also different, but you're all still eights. And how can that be? It's because you all share a similar truth about how to survive in the world. Um, but that's going to come out in totally different ways. Mm. Um, and so me as a three kind of getting into what these motivations are that I keep talking about. Um, I am motivated by the fear that I am not valuable uh, mm. and or then I am not good unless I am valuable. And that is why I'm ambitious. And that is why I like to be the best. And that is why I am very image conscious Um is because I need other people to view me as valuable um, inherently in order for me to be good. Because my big fear is that I am not good, um, which I think a lot of us share, mm -hmm. but my motivation is I need to be the best at something. If someone is talking about fashion or clothing or personal style, I want to be the person that that's name dropped in conversation that like, oh, my friend Nick does this thing. She's the best at it. That is like my euphoria. Mm. That is the thing I'm always working towards um, because that is how I survive in the world is by being known for the things that I am good at. And that's what makes me good. This makes so much sense because now, <laughs> now I'm thinking, okay, what are my motivations if I'm showing up as an eight or a healthy two? And so like looking at like the kind of person that an eight is, it's the leader, um, they're direct, self-reliant, self-confident and protective. And so I, for me, I feel like I'm not valuable unless I'm lovable. And so for me, positions of power make me valuable. And then also like this caring and nurturing part of like, I'm, I'm a person who's always working towards love. So for me to be giving so much love, make, it just makes so much sense. My life. Yeah. Wow. So oh, eights, <laughs> so eights uh, tend to be motivated by um, a lot of times they experienced either in trauma or in childhood that someone else was not uh, that, that they knew the, the right way to get something done. And maybe that get something done was being taken care of, um, to be safe. Mm. Um, and someone else was not doing that the way that they would have done it. And it ended poorly on the eight's behalf. And now the eight feels that they need to take the reins in order to protect themselves and everyone else. And so that's why there's the leadership aspect is mm -hmm. um, that the eights feel like, no, I know how to do it better. And I only have proof that I do know how to do it better. And that when I leave it up to other people, I get hurt or other people get hurt. And so that's where eight's motivation 
tends to come from. Um, Are you a therapist? I think you're therapizing. I... If I can find someone to fund me through grad school, I would like to be one. Okay, we're gonna start a GoFundMe of put Nick through put Nick through grad school, but they have you have to be an Enneagram therapist. That's that's the that's no the well, and that's yeah, is like I I am very interested. Um, that is uh the thing that the last couple of years I have um been really, really struggling with is I've had this career as a content creator for such a long time. Um, but I see myself eventually, yes, moving into um, a therapy role, um, but I have a lot of student loan debt and no money to go to grad school with. Um, And so, you know, if Daddy Biden wants to um, alleviate some of that for me, um, I know that um, Uncle Ken Paxton here in Texas is not going to alleviate my outrageous amount of state loan debt. Um, Just a little a little taste of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, (laughs) Dear Mr. President Joe Biden, I and all who listen to the show and all the people who would benefit from Nick being a therapist would love if you could just, you know. Yeah. Like a queer Enneagram therapist. Give it to me, please. I would love to help people discover their why and their motivations. And then this is what I love about Enneagram is it's about growing based on what you learned. You never hear someone say, I'm an ENFP and I'm going to do something about it. Mm. People say, I'm an ENFP and that's my calling card. And it's like, okay, I know this. Now what? Enneagram is all about, oof, that's a really, really painful thing that you just uncovered about me. Like, I think that it is not useful to take Enneagram tests. I think that it is useful to read about Enneagram types. And then the one that makes you feel like you need to go hide in your closet is probably the one that you are. And like, there will be some different levels of that because of the way that wings and integration and disintegration work, um, a bunch of other things too. Um, But the one that makes you like actually choke up and feel like your gut drop into your butt and you want to hide under your bed, like that's probably your Enneagram type. And nine times out of 10, if I have people read the types, they come back to me and they know which one they are because people are smart. We don't need a test. Um, But people really like personality tests and we really like memes and we really Mm -hmm. like to have memes that are like, ooh, this is so eight. Like this is so, (laughs) so me. But I find that the memes really miss the point because they focus on such a small part of someone's Enneagram type or like, honestly, a stereotype, which is fine. We all, you know, stereotypes are, we're dealing with social media. Yeah. Um, but there's just, it is so much deeper than that. And it is, and can be a tool for growth and understanding and therapizing yourself, um, is like the amount of like personal therapy in quotes that I've done for myself just through Enneagram learning, both in my own type and understanding the people around me, I will say I historically have some very challenging relationships with eights. Um, My long-term ex was an eight or it is an eight. (laughs) Um, My old boss who I had a really complicated relationship was an eight. Um, I just, I have, I really butt heads with eights um, because as the three, as a three um, needing to be valuable, bumping up against someone who believes that no one has the answers more right than they do. um, We just, we, we butt heads and we're two very powerful 
types mm-hmm. um, that are motivated by very deep uh, pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we all are. Um, but threes and eights tend to uh, run shit. And so we tend to run in similar circles. Um, we are often leaders of things, um, because we feel like we need to be. Yeah. Um, do you think it would be interesting if I, uh, if I told your followers a little bit about the, the motivations of, of the other types? Yes. Yes. Please. Yeah. yeah do a breakdown. Go in All right. order. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <the> okay. <laughs> Um, okay. So ones, um, which are sometimes called the perfectionist and I don't like that name for them. Um, ones, uh, fear that there is injustice in the world that they cannot just that there is injustice in the world period really, but they have to be the one to save the world. Otherwise something bad is going to happen to people generally. And so, um, ones are the perfectionists, but they're also, um, uh, so I have this book that I refer to called Millenniagram. Um, it's written by a queer author um, whose uh, name is no longer the name that they use on the book. Uh, they Their name now is River Posh, but the um, their book, their name on the book is Hannah Posh. Um, and um, she has different names for all of them. And I recommend it if you're looking for a, um, a secular version of Enneagram um, because Christian Enneagram can be rooted in a lot of shame. Mm. Um, and that's, um, it really kind of got usurped by Christianity. Um, and so if you're looking for a text that is not really built in that and is a little bit more inclusive, Millenniagram is great. Um, and they refer to ones as the machine and um, machines see an injustice and they're going to do something about it. And that can be anything from, you know, fighting the good causes out um, in the streets. It can be if there is a slight against someone on the internet. Um, I will say my spouse is a one um, and my best <laughs> friend is a one and, uh, and my therapist is a one. <laughs> and I love one energy because uh, they will not rest until inequality and injustice is solved. <laughs> um, but, you know, everybody needs to take a break and it's not one person's responsibility. They're also called the reformer on this website you sent me yes, before. Yes. I was trying to remember. I was like, there's another website <laughs> that calls it something that's not the perfectionist and reformer is what I was looking for. Um, Yes, they want to reform things that are currently bad. Um, and so ones are also really powerful people uh, in communities. Um, they tend to be in community type work. Um, twos, um, which are pretty much across the board considered the helper, uh, Millenniagram calls them the parent. Um, they want to help other people, but they are motivated by being seen as helpful. Mm. Um, Twos are often the people who go out of their way to do something nice for someone, but maybe it's because they want to be thanked. Mm. Um, they, uh, they need to be seen as someone who does something for others rather than doing it like ones do out of just seeing things that need to be done and knowing that no one else is going to do it and that the world is going to die if they don't do it. Um, so twos um, 
are great and uh, end up in a lot of helping professions. There are nurses and teachers and a lot of um, unfortunately thankless jobs, which is so hard because they are just motivated by wanting to be appreciated. They were underappreciated as children or in traumatic experiences. Um, and so they just, they need a little extra love. And so if you've got a two in your life, um, tell them, thank you. Tell them that you see how hard they work for, for you specifically. And they'll say, oh, I don't need thank you. But inside they're experiencing euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, attacked. Yeah. <laughs> um, threes, like I said, um, we are motivated by uh, the fear of not being valuable. Um, and so, yeah, that's just, that's, that's my ticket uh, in life. <laughs> um, fours, um, are motivated by, so their fear is that there is something inherently wrong with them and, uh, that they can, they will just never be like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And so they, rather than, um, another type that I'll talk about in a minute, rather than trying to be like other people, they spend their whole life trying to be set apart. Um, and so fours are often thought of as loners and weirdos and misfits, um, and they like it and they want to be that way. Fours um, want to be recognized for being different. They don't ever want to conform. If you tell them, um, oh, you're just like this other person I know, that's the worst thing you can tell a four. They don't want to be like anyone else. They, they believe that what makes them special is that they are different. And so they are motivated by being different um, because they feel like, okay, there's something out there that everyone else understands about being normal and I don't have it, but I have this other thing. And they're always trying to figure out what that thing is that makes them good, um, good enough by being different. Fives, on the other hand, believe that there is something inherently wrong with them that they're missing that everyone else has and the reason that they go inward and that they're so obsessed with research is that they're trying to figure out what that thing is that everyone else seems to have figured out and they for some reason can't seem to to figure out and they're just always motivated by trying to learn everything they can to inevitably be loved and lovable um all of us are just trying to be loved out here um, sixes, uh, are terrified of abandonment is a lot of times what it comes down to. Sixes are complicated. Um, and I find them to be the most varied. Um, so I will take a second and say every type also has subtypes, which further complicate these things and make us all different. Um, and if you're really, really into Enneagram, you can learn about them. Um, but I'm not going to talk about it today because there is just... <laughs> so much Enneagram. Um, but sixes are worried that people will leave them. And so they are always thinking of the worst thing that is going, that could possibly happen. They're like the, the, you know, the anxious kid that is always worrying about like, okay, this is the worst possible scenario and I'm preparing for it. And so they're always both prepared that people are going to leave and scared that people are going to leave. Um, and sixes are just so sweet and I love having them in my life and they're, they make great friends. Um, sevens are motivated by feeling like there is more to life and that they won't have time to see it all. And so sevens tend to be your friend who, um, 
maybe can't keep a job or uh, always are traveling the world or um, just always have a lot of different hobbies, always have their hand in a different pot. They're always coming up with a new big idea. They don't really stay tethered to things very long. Uh, they are the party. Um, eights, as we talked about, um, are leaders and they are right and they have to be right and they need to be right in order to survive. Um, we've kind of talked about eights. Nines, um, our last little type here are the peacemakers and they do not want to stir the pot um, and they do not want to be responsible for stirring the pot and they wish that there wasn't a pot at all and that if everyone could just calm down, we don't need to change anything um, because change is scary. Um, they tend to have really big ideas that they don't act on. Um, they're not risk takers um, and they need a lot of nudging in order to finally take a step forward. They consider every option um, and then don't do any of them for a long time. <laughs> and those are our nine types. That's and we're sad. just all hurt children uh, trying to grow and cohabitate the world with each other. Truly. <laughs> I just want to because I'm a nerd and now I always like look and see who like other famous Enneagram types are oh I love that yes so I'm an eight uh Kamala Harris is an eight MLK Jr. Clint Eastwood Serena Williams Winston Churchill Barbara Walters Ernest Hemingway Queen Latifah which we have the same birthday too so I don't know if that <gasps> oh. correlates but that now is in my brain um, Bernie Sanders, Chelsea Handler, Mark Cuban, Pink, Toni Morrison, AOC, uh, Alec Baldwin, and then they do like people who are like characters on TV shows and movies. So <laughs> I'm just that's it's just this is one of the things in life that just fascinates me because it's like we like you're saying like we're all in depth people, but then like our trauma responses or who we end up being after suffering trauma, like it, the fact that they can like fall. <clears throat> excuse me like fall into like nine buckets is just so wild to me because yeah but it's like these are the amount of things really that people experience and the different stories that we learn about how to protect ourselves and other people mm -hmm. um and yeah it just it's very interesting to see like that is a list of people especially a lot of politicians mm -hmm. a lot of people who said no the way that you are saying that this is working is not how it works and I have a better way. Let me fix it. Yeah. 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 And so and, and for, politician so, Brie. <laughs> I know. What's funny because like I started out my career in like social work, right? So like that mm -hmm. very like two thankless job sort of feeling of it, being very caring and nurturing. And now like how my life has changed and like the the trajectory I'm on, I'm like, no, I'm gonna eat. Like <laughs> yeah so the fact like but to be able to be like you are healthy too and these are like the oh and that's another thing I text you too of like I know my love language and so acts mm -hmm. of service is like how I receive love and such so people who do things for you <clears throat> I always tell people like if you want me to fall in love with you go get my oil changed or get my car detailed those are like <laughs> or drop off a lunch because I rarely make a meal for myself um because I'm I so busy that. so like yeah so for that to like, so reading the two was like very similar to like how I receive love too. And I was like, that's interesting. So that's just another thing that like really popped into my brain as we were going through this. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about love languages this week and I had kind of a, a big, big therapy realization. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think that love languages stem from? 
Oh. I mean, I'm, I, I feel like it's another trauma response. Either that or like what we didn't receive as children. Bingo. That was, <laughs> I have just never thought about it, I guess, even mm-hmm. though like, like I talk about love languages a lot too, um, especially for work mm-hmm. is I like, I try to figure out like my employees and my employers love languages so that I know how to better show up for them. Yeah. Um, but I just had this big realization this week about not understanding the way that other people were trying to show me love mm-hmm. because it was what I received as standard as a kid. Like it happened to be the ways that I did receive love as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't real, I've never been without them. And then, so then having friendships where that was what all people were giving me, I was craving the things that I craved as a child, um, words of affirmation, quality time. Those are my love languages, both how I like to give and receive. Um, And so then when people give me acts of service as love I don't always know how to receive it and I don't I don't receive it always as love Mm -hmm. I don't understand it that way and so that was just a big realization for me this week is that like people show I mean obviously people show love in other ways yeah but like the ways just that I I wasn't seeing it because I guess that that like those are the ways that my parents showed love were through acts of service and I I didn't realize I don't know it just kind of an aside but just more big, big feelings and thoughts. <laughs> <clears throat> well, what this makes me think of too is me being an eight, being a leader, being very ridiculously independent. Like I do not ask for help. Yeah. And so the fact that I receive love by people helping me is such like a double-edged sword for me. Cause I'm like, I don't need anything. But then I'm like, again, if you were like, I was telling someone this the other day, they're like, how would you like, how would someone, oh, my friend and I were talking and he was like, what are you looking for in a partner? And one of the things was like, I just need someone who's going to show up and do a thing. Like, I'm not asking you for you to like buy me like expensive things or expensive. I'm like, just be like, hey, I'm going to go get your car detailed. Or, hey, I know you woke up at eight and you're busy and you won't eat lunch. So, or we won't make a lunch. So I'm having lunch delivered to you at noon. <clears throat> like, that's how I receive love. And so it's also interesting that too, like the complete opposite of like, who I am and like the fact that I give so much and I'm very independent, but then the way that I'm going to receive love back is by people doing things for me, but I never let anyone help me. So here we are. <laughs> yep, man. We are just all working through uh, the ways that we love and the ways that we want to be loved, which is why I think that Enneagram is such a great tool is because it's helped me understand how to love my people better is like, if I have a six who I know is fearing and abandonment, then I'm going to take extra care in that relationship to let them know I'm not going anywhere and let them know that like, I'm continuing to show up for them. Or if I've got an eight who like you, like doesn't have uh, people showing up for them on a regular basis because you are so self-sufficient because people don't think about, you know, people don't think about the strong friend. People don't mm-hmm. think about the self-sufficient person. The, like the leader has it all figured out, but you're the one who maybe needs that stuff more than the person who's asking for it because you're not receiving it because you're not asking for it. Yeah. And so knowing that about someone helps you love them better. And so like my millenniagram, my millenniagram book is all marked up with people's names. Just like those were the notes that I took. And mm-hmm. that was enough for me to be like, 
ooh, like this is such a this person thing or like, oh, this is my friend or this is my ex or, you know, this is my spouse. And it's like, okay, like I am better understanding this person and where they're coming from when they act out in these ways or go inward in these other ways. Um, Yeah, I just, I think it's a really cool tool for understanding ourselves and other people. I literally just ordered it, so. Yay! <laughs> it's, it's it's in the mail because I need to Yay. now like read it and go in depth because oh it's such a quick read <laughs> uh, we love to see it yeah I just I think I'm also like to a place now like I just started a new job four months ago and mm-hmm. I'm about to live alone again um and so just like there's a lot of change going on and so I'm just like let's do a refresh of like who are you like last year I took the time like I said I took the time to really like establish who I am and what I want um, whenever like big changes happen, I'm like, let's just revisit <laughs> who you are, yeah. how you're showing up in great. the world. Yeah. So yeah. Ugh. Is there anything else about Enneagram that you want to talk about? I'm just like, I'm speechless after this <laughs> whole thing. My brain is just jello. Yeah. I it's, it's hard to think about yourself in these ways and your other relationships in these ways. It's like, it's big. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking about your motivations and like your why, um, rather than your tendencies, like I was saying is like, I don't know, there's just, there's so much room for self-compassion, um, which I think is a thing that a lot of people forget. Um, especially when we're talking about growth is it's like, I see this thing about myself. I have to change it. Um, I think that everybody thinks that their Enneagram type is the worst because we are afraid of it. It's like, it's literally tied to our fears. And so it's all the worst parts of ourselves is what Mm -hmm. we see. Um, but like thoughts and feelings are information. Um, and we don't need to judge that information. Like a feeling is just a fact is like, that's the fact of what you are experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. And so trying not to judge it and just be like, Hey, like, (laughs) you know, people say like, who hurt you, but like somebody hurt you and you learned in the world that you wouldn't be taken care of or wouldn't be safe or wouldn't be protected um, or wouldn't be valued or loved or whatever if you didn't do X, Y, Z. And letting that go and saying like, I don't have to work so hard for love. I am inherently lovable. Um, I am inherently worthy. And um, just really self-compassion is... Oh man, Brie, I, I need to go to grad school, huh? <laughs> I'm just saying we're going to get the GoFundMe going because <laughs> someone out there could use a queer Enneagram-based therapist, <laughs> but no, because Joe doesn't want to forget student loan debt. We're, I'm just saying this is for dear Joe Biden. You've heard this conversation. <laughs> I just feel like give Nick the money or just let Nick go to yeah. school for free. Whatever, just let whatever, go to school for free. Whichever is easiest for you guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're flexible over here yeah just let me be a therapist right. I would be so good at it I would I know you can't like therapize your friends but I think we'd have to unbe friends just so I could go to therapy <laughs> so, and we could yes. be friends again because <laughs> yeah because now, now now I'm thinking like my trauma response like my mom passed when I was 15 and my dad and I started talking when I was 18 it's like I am very self-sufficient very independent very much a leader and so like for me to be an eight makes so much sense right yeah yes and just like 
realizing that and then knowing that when you're up against a situation and some really challenging things about yourself are showing up, like there's a reason for it. And you can tell yourself like the way that you grow from it and you use that, that compassion is you talk to little Brie and you say like, Hey, little Brie, like, uh, you know, mom and dad aren't here right now. And like, we are safe and we are taken care of. Um, and not just because of the work that we've done, but because of other people who love us. Um, and you know, are we showing up in a way that is best for this situation or that is best for what was best for us when we were a kid? Mm. Um, yeah, there's that. mm, It's Mm. like, (laughs) wow. Put yeah. Nick in grad school. What are we doing here? <laughs> I'm now I'm now I'm mad. Now I'm angry. Now I'm like, why doesn't this money just exist? Oh um, good God. I wish I knew. <laughs> yeah. ba- baby Brie and I have been journaling together as of lately because yeah. I'm looking for a new therapist. And I always tell people like when I wasn't therapist with therapy, my, when I wasn't therapy, my therapist said, like, you're a therapist's dream. You will talk about anything, you'll do the homework, you'll do the the like self-realizations and the self-work. I'm like, I just got to find a therapist. So we have to unbecome friends so that you can, <laughs> so you can go to grad school and then you can therapize me because Great. I just need to talk to you all day about all these things. So yeah, oh, uh, man, I will be sure to like everything in the show notes that we talked about today. Um, at the end of each episode, I like to end with the same question, kind of like a yeah. palate cleanser to wrap things up. And it's a two part. You get to decide which part you want to answer. But what is the best advice you've ever been given? Or what is a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? I love this question. Um, and it's funny because I'll, just, I'll go ahead and answer it and then I'll explain why it's funny. <laughs> okay. um, so the best advice I've ever been given um, is that you, I guess the power of speaking into existence what you want. That if you tell enough people that you want something, like the universe and the people that you tell are all going to work together and make sure that it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a dear friend who um, was, worked on Obama's campaign, helped get Obama, uh, you know, elected, <laughs> but he became our president. Um, and then when she finished that, and she had already been doing some really incredible work in Wisconsin um, with like the, um, like, teachers wages and and was just already in doing this work Mm -hmm. when she was done with the campaign everyone was like what do you want to do what do you want to do and she was like I think I want to like go be the speechwriter for Cecile Richards and she just kept saying it to people and then that and then someone connected her to Cecile Richards and she was the speechwriter for Cecile Richards for many years she helped Cecile Richards write her book Um, and then when she was no longer working with Cecile Richards, everyone was like, what do you want to do next? Like, you've done it all. What are you going to do next? And she was like, I think I want to help get a woman elected president. And then she was one of the core team on Hillary's, uh, you know, like election team. Um, and I actually don't know what she's up to now. Um, we haven't talked in several years, um, but I know that she's happily married, um, and fighting the good fight, I think in Georgia. Um, and you know, it's just like, I've, I've been really into manifestation and I, but I also know the work that goes into manifesting is you can't just want it. 
you know, like that's not enough. You have to tell the universe. You have to really tell people and believe that you can have it. Um, so that's why I'm over here like, yeah, I'm going to be a therapist. I'm going to go to grad school. Because um, if if you don't tell people, then some part of you doesn't believe it and like isn't isn't going to inevitably, inevitably take the steps to get you there. But you can have anything you want if you speak it into the world. We'll have to have a conversation on manifestations too, because I'm a really good manifester and the stuff that has happened in my life has just been wild. I am also a very good manifester. Um, You did a live with our friend, Sam, Mm -hmm. um, and I watched it and y'all were talking about like speaking into existence and I was like screaming into my phone. And that's why I was like, as soon as I saw you ask this question, I was like, this is what I want to talk about. It's such a, it, yeah, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do a live about manifestation because it's, yeah. it, it's such a powerful thing that I think people just sometimes think like it's, it's in your head, but it's, it's really not like it's putting, yeah. it's, like you said, it's putting it out there. It's believing in it and you're inviting people in to help you with that. Right. So yes. Yeah. Yes. Like you don't have to do it alone. And like when we talk about the universe, like that means so many different things. I'm also into astrology. Um, but the universe also includes other people. Like mm-hmm. there is no nowhere in the rule book of life that it says that you don't have to let people help you or that letting people help you means that you didn't get there yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody got where they are with the help of someone else. There is no entirely self-made but like self-made as in didn't no one else had anything to do with it that just doesn't exist because we live in community we're gonna we're gonna have to have you back (laughs) uh that's it for this week's episode of the tea with brie be sure to follow us on instagram at the tea with brie send me an email at the tea with brie at gmail.com and visit the website the tea with brie podcast.com don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or we get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.